Hello and welcome along to Match Day 21 of the World Game Live here at SBS. I'm your host, Lucy Zellich. Happy New Year to all of you. It's fantastic to welcome you into the new year 2019. Of course, I could not have started it off without my wonderful colleague in Nick Stoll, a.k.a. Stolich. Stolich, yeah. as we say in Croatian, Sretna Nova Godina. Happy New Year to you. Okay, yeah, cheers. Well, Appreciate so, that. We'll say it to us now Gracias. in Spanish. Uh, Feliz Nuevo Año. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, there you there go. There you go for all so. of our Spanish and Croatian viewers. It's yeah. nice to welcome you too, as it is everybody. This is the world game, the beautiful game, and we welcome everybody at our table here. Um, it's been a massive start to 2019 mm -hmm. already. Of course, I can see mm -hmm. the T-shirt you're wearing, and I'm, of course, today, I've opted to go for the Borussia Dortmund yeah. uh, strip, of course. Top many of the Bundesliga. Good, many good reasons to celebrate being a Dortmund fan. Top mm. of the league there, top of the league in the Premier League, being a Liverpool fan. It's been a nice start to the festive Selling period. Selling Pulisic, and to the new year, cash. We are constantly making cash at Dortmund. If you oh. ever look at the statistics on players that we've sold, yeah. we've bought them for cheap, sold them for big. It's yeah. a good club, it's yeah. a good system too, but you are wearing a, uh, a Socceroos jersey. Yes. Understandably. What have you got written there? Uh, it is um, a Tim Cahill signed this, but uh, actually it's very hard to see. But essentially Tim Cahill signed this too and then left it blank. Best wishes, Tim Cahill. Oh, very nice no, of him. Didn't. And then, did you have to write Nicky? No, no, no. Someone else did it for me. <laughs> and I found out many years later. So I got this when I was like 14 and thought that Tim Cahill had given me a personal one. He had not. Oh so, my God. Because you can actually see better. how the Nick is quite different, different to the best wishes handwriting. So it's also, shout out. there's a great distance too between two and Nick. Yeah, they could have tucked it in anyway, a little bit further. I appreciate the uh, effort. <laughs> well, effort is something that's going to be the topic of conversation when it comes to the Socceroos mm. uh, opening game against Jordan. But before we get to that, guys, welcome to you. As I said, it's fantastic to ring in the new, the new year with our uh, very beloved and, 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 and favoured followers here of the World Game. Whether you're joining us via Facebook or Twitter, it's great to have your company. If you are joining us via Twitter, make sure that you use the hashtag SBSTheWorldGame to get your questions in to Stolich and I and as always we'll do our very best to get through them as the show goes on but the Socceroos let's start there they're 1-0 yes. loss to Jordan in the Asian yes. Cup they're there to defend their title and unfortunately they did not get off to a good start mm. Stolich your assessment of the match overall yes well you know I've uh, had uh, I've slept on it since I've had a yep. few hours to process it yep. no uh, knee-jerk reaction but I am Fuming. I am absolutely fuming. That was ridiculous how bad we were against Jordan. You know, we talk about, you know, like it was just the there were so many issues that we had last night. Our tactics were wrong, uh, our like intensity levels were wrong, uh, you know, I think personnel changes, you know, which I don't think they were the biggest issue, but you know, I think definitely when Economides came on, he was much better than what Cruz offered for example, not to hang everything on Cruz, because I know a lot of people do, but there was just so many problems across the board, and it was also quite predictable what our problems were going to be, and that's why it was so so, so frustrating, mm -hmm. and it's so, fr it's so frustrating, the more you think about this, the more frustrated you get you know, you look at it and go, why why has Graham Arnold been given a four year contract? Like, what, what have we done? What what is this? Well, it was his first competitive match, and of course, he attracted a lot of criticism post-match too. Mm. I'll refer to Facebook here and Terry Lucas. Um, yep. Good day to you. Happy New Year to you, Terry. Shout out, Terry. Uh, and his comment, Graham Arnold's arrogance came back to bite him. Show your opposition respect. So this seems mm. to be a big talking point out of the match because as is typical Graham Arnold, and he did a lot while he was the head coach of Sydney FC, he yep. came out before the match in the press conference yep. and said, we expect to win this. Now, the Jordanian press didn't like that very much, and 
alluded to it as arrogance. Mm -hmm. um, and he came out in defence of his comments, Graham Arnold that is, and said that basically it's not arrogance, it's just belief. Yeah. Um, and that uh, the, the Belgium Jordanian coach, uh, he too picked up on that and said it's very yeah, dangerous when you start talking like that um, to your players. Um, not only does it breed complacency, but then also you've got to remember, just cast your minds back to the World Cup. Uh, and look at the small nations that managed to upset the bigger yeah, nations. Happens every time. Just about anything can happen in football. Mm -hmm. And I think in many ways, it, it used to jar me, actually, yep. as just a, a sideline reporter when I was going to the games and interviewing Arnie pre-match, and he would say things like, we expect to win. Mm. Of course, as a coach, you're going into every match believing and hoping that you are going to win. That's always the thought process. But to just expect it, I think it starts to then show a bit of disrespect to your opposition. Stolich? Well, I think there is a way you speak publicly and there is a way you speak privately. Privately to your players, you can keep the expectations high. Guys, we absolutely expect to win every single game. We have to give 100% effort every single game. That, to me, is quite normal. Mm -hmm. I think publicly, what you speak, you don't want to give the opposition any more motivation. That's why you see uh, Pep Guardiola, for example, they'll be playing, I don't know, Rotterdam or whoever it was in the FA Cup today. You know, they're going to win 7-0. But before the game, they said, no, 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 we've looked at the, they look like a very strong team. We're expecting a very tough game. You know, because you don't, we've heard it so many times before, you know, even with Croatia and England. Exactly. You know, Croatia used the motivation of England being, you know, quote unquote arrogant with this mm -hmm. it's coming home and they're like oh yeah it's coming home yeah you got to come past us for it to come home exactly and that, so it's just more motivation you don't want to give them any more motivation but again even still like you we should be beating Jordan I mean the, how many times does uh, have we been saying this honestly it was for me it was the worst performance that Australia's done at a tournament since the 2007 Asian Cup which of course Graham Arnold was in charge for yes. that's the opening game the 1-1 draw against uh, Oman but we were trying to even go back further it's it's hard to remember such a bad performance even you're talking before the days of Harry Kuehl and Mark Viduka and you know it, it's hard to think how far we've fallen. Well, it's also hard to get past that golden generation mm. era, which is what yep. we often seem to defer to in times like this. Yep. Um, and uh, I guess the finger of blame has been pointed at a, a myriad of mm -hmm. issues. Some saying it's Graham Arnold's responsibility. Some saying also the players are Ale yep. Borsalic via Facebook. Player selection, terrible. Ari Brisbane, Rogic, uh, Rogic and McLaren were useless. Yeah, okay, but uh, can I just defend uh, Jamie McLaren? Do. Because I think, so there's a few issues here. One is, Jamie McLaren has now gone nine games of the Socceroos and not scored a goal, right? So there are clearly issues there. I'm not saying that he is, you know, an amazing, great... When did great, he last score a goal in open play? I think it would have been against Syria. It was in the qualifiers, in, in the it was. And it qualifiers. was Tim Cahill, was yeah. it not? Yeah, or, yeah, so... Because so Yedinak had who the... Who we are now without, also yeah. Mila Yedinak, scoring yeah. in open play has yeah. been a massive, massive freaking issue. problem for us. And I, but this is what I think. I think McLaren, what he gives you, he gives you speed in behind. McLaren, I don't think, should be in there against teams that are going to sit deep, right? Because we saw the problem yesterday. Teams sit back, smaller teams, Jordan, for example, sit deep. It was, it was very classical what you Jordan see did. a lot of our opposition, exactly. particularly in the group stages, now we've got Syria and also Palestine. Palestine. And they're going to park the bus. Yeah, exactly. And it's going to be... And Syria as well. They're going to... They're Every team is going to do the same thing. They're going to part. They're going to sit deep. They're going to try and expose us where our fullbacks push up, which is what pretty much every small team does against a big team worldwide. And they're going to try and score on set pieces. Now that's exactly what Jordan did last night. But it's exactly what every small team does to every big team: expose the space in behind the fullbacks, score. You know, try and score off set pieces and sit deep, block the space in between the lines. Don't allow you know Rogic and that to have a lot of time. Mm -hmm. So, again, 
McLaren, very fast player, very good at when there's a high line of exploiting that space you in time. You need someone like, a, say, Apostolos Giannou, who exactly. come on, where you said we looked a lot better when yep. he uh, was injected into the side as a yep. substitute uh, and Cruz came off, I believe. Uh, and Economides, I've, uh, yeah. Sorry, Economides. Economides. Yeah. Um, and I thought that um, he looked uh, like a player that's actually going to hold the ball up. Yeah. Well, uh, and, and, and that's what you need. Well, I mean, this is, this is just the thing is you need, like, you need the right players for the right uh, kind of situation. Okay, if a team presses high, maybe McLaren is a very good option. Pace in behind. But now, also, this is the other thing. You have issues with confidence. You saw it with Cruz. You saw it with McLaren. They're, Why Cru no Lecky? Well, Le Lecky injured, question? injured, injured. Okay, injured. hang on. But, the, the, but the, the big discussion around this whole tournament yeah. has been around the players that we have that are injured. Yeah. So, no Lecky, yeah. no Aaron Moy, no, no, no. Daniel Lazani. Yep. Martin Boyle gets ruled out as yep. well. Uh, Naboo was a late Naboo scratch. Naboo also late exclusion because yep. he injured himself in training. Yep. So, when you're looking at... And I at thought Naboo would have started over McLaren had uh, there been an issue. But Naboo is also a similar type of player in that quite quick, not the biggest. So this is the other thing. When you start... I still feel like Naboo can hold the ball up a little bit better than what well, Becker can. I, I quite like Naboo, but the problem that I think is when you when these teams sit deep and then your only, your only option, at least, that, that you're playing is these crosses, just constant crosses into the box. You know, you need someone more like a Tommy Urich, someone with more of an aerial presence. Now, I understand Tommy Urich hasn't been in the best form, but you need to have different options for different teams that we're going to come up against. Let's talk about some of Graham Arnold's other comments. And yep. Craig Wilson has picked it up. Arnold says he's going off the Liverpool model. Liverpool have explosive fullbacks which create plenty of chances. Australia don't. Yeah, he's going so off the he, Liverpool he actually, 1990s model. He, well, there's, no, there's no way he's going off the Liverpool. I, I want to I talk about those comments and, yeah. I'll, and I'll pull them up in a second, the mm -hmm. exact ones that, uh, that Graham Arnold referred to, which I found to be quite peculiar as well because if you're looking to go off a Liverpool model, yeah. uh, you've only got a short amount of time with your national team. Yeah. So to be able to try and instill a philosophy like this, and, and one is it's, it's actually quite complicated too yeah. when you consider the Gegenpress and what's yep. involved and organised chaos, as the Germans like to refer to it as. Yeah. Uh, but uh, here's what Arnie said. I've been studying Liverpool a lot. That's the system and the style we want to play, but there's a lot of improvement left in the side and a lot of work to do this week. He used to say the same stuff as Sydney FC, you know, when they were toweling everybody up, they were at the top of the table by miles. Um, yeah. You know, he would often say that to me in interviews and say, oh, you know, there's still a lot of in, still a lot of improvement left in this team. And I say, okay, yeah, Arnie, that, so we're specific, at 50%, 60% yeah, we're at 50, 60%, we're operating here, we're there. And yeah. so my subsequent questions, the follow-up was always, okay, well, where do you actually specifically think that there yeah. needs to be some improvement shown? Yeah. Um, and a lot of it, I think, is more so to motivate his players, to actually get them to continue to rise to the occasion every week. Yep. Because complacency can be an issue in football when you continue to win week in and week out. <laughs> but I just feel like, and, and so many of the comments that we've seen coming through via both Twitter and Facebook have been that everyone is hugely disappointed with the performance. You're very irate Massively. with to the me performance. It's the worst but performance I want to know, here's a, question, here's a question, and potentially a spanner to throw in the works. Mm. What did you expect would happen I, how high were your expectations did you truly think that with the performances that we've seen from this national side in <coughs> the last 18 months two years yep, in particular yep. did you honestly believe that we were going to go in and absolutely belt the shit out of Jordan no I didn't think we'd belt them but I did think that we would win and I thought we would top this group now I think that was a pretty safe thing to assume can I honestly Don't, tell you and yeah. this is not being unpatriotic at yeah. all because I love this national team more yeah. than anything I can't remember the last time I went into a game with the Socceroos mm. and felt like we were going to win 
I can't remember Stolich. So that's why I'm asking the question. These expectations were set so high. Yeah. And it's interesting to me to see everybody so surprised and so disappointed with the performance when I haven't actually seen enough yes. from this team in recent times to believe that they're capable of more. But I think, like, if you look at the way that Jordan celebrated this victory, they themselves maybe... They acted like they won a World Cup yeah, final. Yeah, so for them, they, <laughs> it was knew it was, they knew it was a big upset. They knew, you know, if we had beaten Jordan, we would have just gone, okay, thanks, great, good game, let's move on to the next one. It we were clearly the favourites going in. We clearly, although this is probably one of the weakest squads that we've had in some time, mm -hmm. in some, going quite back some way, we still should be better than this. We are the defending champions of this tournament. We have gone to consecutive, what, four consecutive World Cups now. We are still a very, you know, a, a, we should still be beating Jordan. This, is, this has to be the thing. We still have to be like beating Jordan. And now we're getting people saying, oh, no, well, Jordan were really good, and Jordan really good. Come on. No, before, I, I haven't seen before the game, yeah. Jordan were really, Before really the good. game, no one was saying, not even, find me even Jordanian football experts who are going, oh, yeah, Jordan's going to beat the Socceroos. No one was saying that. The Socceroos were extremely poor. The ball movement was extremely slow. You know, they, well, they talk about... any kind of creativity. Well, this is going the, forward and creating clear-cut opportunities, I feel. It doesn't matter. Yeah. When you look at the weight of the possession, I don't care that it was in favour no. of the Socceroos because possession stats mean absolutely jack no. shit these days. If you follow no. enough football, you know that it well, doesn't equate a result. Of course, yeah. we know that there are certain trends that dictate that teams like, a, say, a Manchester City, for example, that like to have a lot of possession, yeah. it can translate to results, but it's not the be-all and end-all. But that's the other thing. No one has ever said that it is. Like You've, you've never heard Pep Guardiola yeah, or Bielsa... Like people hung their hat on possession statistics yeah. over but I, I feel like what happens is every time that a team who doesn't have as much possession wins a game, people go, oh, look, look, possession doesn't mean anything. Mm -hmm. Well, no one ever said it. No one ever said, just keep the ball, close your eyes, and you'll win the game. Obviously not. You look need at to Spain be... at the World Cup. Yeah. They had possession for fun, and look at what happened there. And exactly. But the thing with the whole thing with the, the ticky-tacker thing, which is this idea, kind of this possession-based game, is that you move the opposition. So you keep the ball, but you move the opposition, okay? Yeah, but when you're defending in such a deep block, yeah. they're refusing to come out and get caught out. Exactly. So, so now you it's need it's up to you to be able to break them down. So you need to move the ball faster. You need to, like, you know, ball as simple speed as... Is, ball speed as, is very ordinary. As, yeah, as simple as get the ball past the ball, get the ball past the ball, move it on. And that's what Liverpool did. You saw the goal that they scored against City. You saw the ball switched out but from... Again, we're talking about two totally yep. different systems here. For Graham Arnold to say that he's been studying Liverpool a lot... It was somewhat fascinating yeah. to me because that's never been his tactical approach. It's mm. never been his philosophy. Mm. A lot of the times in my adjudication of Sydney FC when he won with them, yeah. they weren't a, a, a high possession-based, deadly attacking team. Yeah. They usually sat back a lot and looked to hit you on the counter. There yeah. were spells where they had possession where they looked a lot more threatening. But they're not an aggressive team like a Liverpool, for example, yep. or a Manchester City, who yep. create in such dominance yep. um, that they're able to do it uh, you know, at a rapid, rapid rate. That's yep. not this Australian team. It's not the Graham Arnold's team either. Let's go to social media quickly. Cool. Uh, Alex James uh, via Facebook. I expected what I saw. I had a sinking feeling about the game. Uh, Shannon Martin, the important question, guys, is why doesn't Arnold seem to understand this stuff? Well... I don't know, but you know what? I, I think it was it was a very uh, good point made by one of my colleagues off screen, uh, Jorge Lazo, when he talked about it was a, a much better of assessment because Arnie has clearly got this job based on what he did at Sydney FC, and the Sydney FC were very dominant in the A League, but also they were dominant in what I would say was a weak league at that time. Sydney FC were very dominant, but the rest of the teams were quite weak at that stage. 
much better to judge him his time with Sydney FC in terms of how he would do in this competition based on how they did in the Asian Champions League. And Sydney FC were not good in the Asian Champions League. And that is a much clearer indication of his ability to coach at a higher level. And it seems like, you know, last night they, they needed Bobo, Merjevsky, Ninkovic, which you can't have. Now, Arnie was very good at Sydney FC, no doubt, in the A-League. He was not good in the Asian Champions League, and it seems like he's not up to the level of the Asian Cup. Uh, Luke Busaletti via Twitter. Scoring in open play has been a problem for us, as in he's quoting our comment. we just done Oman 5-0, settle down. No, Luke, you need to settle down, because we're talking about Oman here, mm. right, with the greatest of respect to our opponents in that situation. Now, again, it comes down to expectations, and what are we expecting of this national team? It's clear that from the collective disappointment ringing around the nation and amongst the football community yep. that we do, in fact, expect more of this Socceroos team. Yep. But what I want to ask now in the follow-up question is, are our expectations fair of this national team now where we're at in terms of both coaching and in squad pedigree? I would say that we are still expected to be in the top four nations in Asia. So I would say probably Japan, South Korea ahead of us, possibly also Saudi Arabia and Iran. Right? I, so that's four, there's four teams there, we're probably fifth. I would say beyond that, we still absolutely should be topping this group. We should be beating Jordan, we should be beating Syria, we should be beating Palestine. Like, and we just, you know, and I mean, yeah, I, I think now there's this turn, oh, well, the players aren't good enough. They are good enough to beat Jordan. And I think as well, what happens is, I remember 2007, I remember the same thing. Oh, are the players good enough? Are the players past it? Well, then we get to 2011 and we make the final. In 2015, we win the competition. And now, back with the same coach that we had in 2007, now again, people looking, well, are the players good enough? Are the players good I think it's a huge deflection from what was an extremely poor preparation for the tournament. There was not enough days given in time. And I think they've clearly not, they've either underestimated Jordan or they've overestimated their own abilities and both have led to a disastrous performance and result. Here's another question. Uh, would a better coach be able to get, or a different coach, let's say if we want to cast our minds back to the days of uh, Hus Hiddink, mm -hmm. who is a very loved and revered mm -hmm. character, not just here in Australia for his coaching credibilities, but also abroad and what he's managed to do with other national yep. teams. Uh, if we had an, a, another Hus-type character, would yeah. we be able to get more out of this team? I believe so. I believe that um, our the speed of play would be a lot higher. I believe there's no way we'd be as lethargic, both in the press and in possession. I think our ability of getting kind of, you know, your Rogic's in those half spaces where they can, the, in between the lines, turn and shoot. I think our defending offset pieces would have been better. I think, you know, it's that was the, that's the frustrating thing as well for me, is Jordan... It was predictable what they were going to do. They were going mm. to exploit the space in behind the fullbacks. They were going to go and try and score off set pieces. So that's what you need to protect against. That's their strength. Then you dictate the game. Again, I just think it's an extreme performance. And now it looks like a huge mistake to have given Arnie a four-year contract. What if he goes out in the group stage? Or because there are th three teams that go through, more or less, as long as you're one of the better placed third teams, which we should be. We should still beat Palestine and we should beat Syria. But Syria, we almost lost to, remember, in qualification. Yeah. So... Had it not been for Tim Cahill. But, yeah, it just seems to me like a four-year contract for this guy with, you know, with a federation that doesn't like paying people out if they do badly, it just seems like it's been a massive... 
overestimation of Arnold. So what do we do going forward then? And this seems to be the biggest question. How much leeway do you give Arnie at this tournament in the absence of the bigger name players yeah. that um, we normally would be relying quite heavily on? If you get hit with and, injuries. And, and, and how much time do you allow him? Of course, as you intimated there, yeah. he's got a four-year contract. Mm. So if we crash out of the group stages, if we don't manage to progress any further in this tournament and it just seems as though we continue to slip further and further away yeah. in a competitive sense, what do you do? Do you stand by him or do you have to look to overhaul again? I mean, if he goes out in the group stage, he's got to go. You can't go out in the group stage of the Asian Cup, Australia defending champions, and hold your position. No way. Especially if you didn't win that. For, like, what has he done to keep him in the job? Listen, uh, but going forward, I think we will get out of this group. Now, where we end up, and there's this talk of, oh, it's a blessing in disguise, because if we had topped our group and Japan had topped their group, we would have met in the quarterfinals. Let's just get to the quarterfinals before we start talking about blessings in disguise and all that. But, yeah, it clearly, clearly there needs to be a massive improvement in performance. And it's not only Arnie's fault. There are massive structural issues around the Socceroos, both in the way A-League develops talent. There are not enough teams, meaning there are not enough opportunities for young players. There are issues with youth league and stuff like that. There's issues with player development and, you know, all this kind of stuff. We got rid of the AIS uh, recently, AIS mm -hmm. program that produced the Duca, yeah, as it was renamed. And, and produced Arzani and produced so many talented players. So, I don't know, it's, it's just, there are a lot of massive issues for the FFA to think about, but in the immediate, in the immediate, we should have been beating Jordan, and that is on Graham Here's a theory of mine. In the immediate, in the short-term future of Australian football, yeah. I don't think that we're going to, to necessarily see any kind of a return to a form of success for some time. Yeah. I actually, truly in my heart of hearts, believe that, only because my belief is, is that we are rotten to the core. Mm. And that's the problem. So it stems from youth development. It stems from all of the things that we've seen structurally, as you mentioned, occur at that level, um, at the grassroots level in terms yeah. of what are we doing at the MPL level, at the yeah. A-League level. Um, I've seen a number of MPL players try and cut their teeth in the A-League. The reality is the standard of the National Premier League, it actually isn't good enough. If I can speak so candidly. And when we start to cast our minds back to, okay, why were we producing such good talent back in the, you know, the, the 90s, early 80s in the NSL era? It was yeah. a different time then, a different period. Yeah. Um, and, and we have to start to accept that football is also cyclical. You're not going to be at the peak of your powers in every single World Cup cycle. No. And I feel like we're experiencing that now. And that this more than ever is a time for us to be able to look at the situation now and start to address these issues and start to increase funding and investment in grassroots and youth development because yeah. we're in dire straits and I can't see in the foreseeable future this getting any better because who is our young talent coming through? Go to NPL games, watch the standard, watch some of the NPL players actually be promoted to the A-League and to senior football. Some of them, I'll tell you now in all honesty with the greatest of respect, aren't good enough. So we can bang on about the fact that we aren't seeing enough younger players introduced. Let me tell you something. There's a reason for it. Speak to coaches in the A-League. I know that coaches like Kevin Musket are actually going down. They're having a look at younger players being developed in Victoria. Can I tell you now, and what a stupid thing to even assume, that if there weren't players that were setting this co these competitions ablaze, do you not think that they would be included in these squads? There's no major conspiracy theory amongst mm. Australian coaches where they're all banding together and saying, let's keep youth out of our squads. Mm. No one's saying that. If you're good enough, you're old enough. You'll get promoted, you'll get your chance. If we're not seeing enough enough youth come through, there's a reason for it. Mm. Stolich. Yes, I agree, but I think... Um I think mismanagement across the game from the FA 
leads to a lack of opportunity. So obviously when you only have 10 teams in the competition, there is, you know, if you look at most leagues around the world, there's usually 18 or 20 teams. So there's a lot more chances, obviously, yeah. opportunities for footballers. On top of that, there's usually second divisions. So for example, you can be a player at a top club, get loaned out to a second division, you know, as happens, you know, Manchester United, Liverpool, all these, Man City, they have top players, they loan them out either overseas or to smaller clubs. They develop a bit more there and then they're ready to step up to a higher level. Now, that's just not happening in the A-League because there is not a second division. There is not really a way and there's okay, also so lack of Who are you going to fill these next incumbent two teams with? I think a mix, but yeah, there is going to be a lot so of MPL. So you've got MPL. the Western Melbourne team, and then you've got the uh, the Southwest Macarthur Sydney yep. team coming in in the following season. Yep. Who who are you actually going to stack these teams with? My thing is going to be a combination, as is a lot of uh, the teams now. You know, you you have players who come up from the MPL, you have players that you develop in your own academy, you have players that you sign overseas. And let's not forget that a lot of these A League teams, the more successful ones, are based on who they recruit from overseas. You look at Sydney FC, as we mentioned, Ninko, Bobo, Mergeski. Look at the success of the Premier League. Yeah. How many of those can actually say that the English players are the reason why the Premier League is, Premier League is a success? Yeah, but England you have started can't. producing good young players. Yeah, now. of course they have because yeah. they've changed their overall system mm. and they've actually started to really focus on youth development. Yeah. They did well at the Under-20s World Cup. Yeah. They're, they're telling it up yep. um, in both the men's and the women's spaces, which is yep. a, a real testament to, to their attitude and how that's changed. But this is what we need to start looking at. We need to start looking at other models and, and discovering why it is that they are successful. What is it that they're doing that we're not yeah. and I just don't think enough of a focus has been directed at what is our succession plan yeah. I do recall that Graham Arnold did actually issue a warning post the 2006 World Cup in which he had then said that we need to start thinking about a succession plan because this golden generation isn't going to last forever yeah. um, and he said that he felt that that fell on deaf ears now yeah. we're in a scenario where we're feeling like okay the squad's not good enough the coaching's not good enough we're all looking for something to blame yeah. um, but I don't think that pointing the finger of blame at this time in this short-term scenario is going to give us a solution, Stolich. No, but I... don't I, know that we've got one. I, I really don't feel that we've got one. Well, we... Possibly we don't have a solution to, you know, get, going back to where we were at our peak. Say, So where do you start? Well, I think, first of all, you start with you have to make the right changes for Palestine who are going to do exactly what Jordan did. Palestine are going to sit deep try and hit us on the counter in behind the fullbacks. So maybe you, you protect against that. Maybe you split Sainsbury and Degenek further, make sure Milligan drops back. I know people are obsessed with this back three, not having a back three, but you know, two centre-backs with a defensive midfielder dropping back protects against that. You do your homework on how they do their set pieces, make sure you know exactly where their strengths are, who to block, who to mark, all that kind of stuff. And then I think you take out Cruz, who while I think... Shouldn't I know some people go crazy about Cruz and they, they don't want him in the team at all. I think he has, he's really struggling for confidence at the moment. I think Economides was a lot more direct and uh, effective and I think really ha feels like he has something to prove. And, and we, we see that. So I think Economides comes in... form in the A-League Yeah, also. I think Economides comes in for Cruz. Now, depending... Again, like I said, Palestine are probably going to sit back. So I wouldn't have McLaren because McLaren again, operates well in space in behind. So I would have Giannu. I just don't think that Mac has right? been done justice, like you've said, because, yep. you know, at the end of the day, from what I've seen of him is that he has a great work rate, um, a fantastic engine, and yep. he can offer so much. But I don't think he's getting the service. 
He's just not getting no. the service that he needs to excel um, for a striker of his particular yeah. qualities. But that's why offers. we can use him against teams that push higher up, where there's more space in behind. But there's not going to be. So I would put Giannu in. I would put uh, Konamidis in. Risden for Grant. Socceroos did look a bit better in the second half. Whether that was because of Grant's introduction, maybe, maybe not. But I think maybe that's a fair swap. That would depend on how they're looking each in camp and that kind of thing. Not sure where Naboo is. I would like to see Naboo up front. How'd you rate Rizzo at right back last night? Uh, yeah, not not good. I mean, like it wasn't his was, No, but but again, it, like this, it's hard to pin it on one player because I thought Sainsbury was poor. I thought Luongo was poor. Luongo, who I have such a high estimation of as well. I thought he was losing the ball in midfield. They were pouncing on him. I thought Deganek as a central defender. Yeah, you know, we've seen him um, deployed at right back. Yeah, I know. No, I like Deganek as a central defender, but yeah, again, it was just. A problem across the board you know Rogic wasn't good and I think Rogic is still our best player like let's be honest so I didn't think we could get him into the game all that easily either and I noticed no. he was dropping deep on quite yep. a few occasions because that he needs the ball fed into him so and to be fair Rogic again is another player I think he's very good at carrying the ball forward you know you see so many he's technically very sound yeah very good dribbling and shooting from distance and stuff like that but you know we, we did miss Moy we definitely missed Moy but the reality is we need to do better and so those are the changes that I, I would make initially uh, and then maybe more. So we need to win this game against Palestine. Is it doable? Do you feel confident yes. going into this? Well, not based on the performance of the Socceroos but this is Palestine. Like, let's not kid ourselves. Palestine, it is a great... With the greatest of respect. But see, this is why... I mean, I'll go back to to the World Cup again and reference uh. that. Based on what happened to the big nations there, nothing is a given in football. Yes, but... Nothing is a given. It is a wonderful story that Palestine has even made this tournament, right? Yeah, of course it is. And, and no doubt we have to not underestimate them and be prepared. But there is... N I, like, I cannot tell you one player from the Palestine team. And I'm pretty sure most football experts out there couldn't either because they don't really have any top players like and you know it is a wonderful story they're there so and I'm great sure, I'm, I'm sure but a few people estimated the same thing of Jordan yeah absolutely these big name players who are the absolutely. ones who are actually going to get the job done and but if we don't beat Palestine man I do not see how Arnie can continue you don't see how he could continue. Well, but you'd, see, you'd, see how, you'd see out the tournament, they've but I think it'd have to be gone by the end of the tournament. They've clearly invested a lot of faith into Graham Arnold by giving him a four-year contract, which, which suggests to me that he's here for the long haul and yeah. that he's there to basically create a bit more stability, which I think it's fair to say that this um, Australian national team has been lacking for many years now and going through this yep. sort of coaching drama yep. and trying to settle on any one person and it not just being an immediate fix like what Bert van Marwijk was for us. But this, I mean, outside of maybe Cahill and Yedinak, this is not like, oh, we've, we've just lost a huge amount of players. Now, those players are obviously extremely good legends of the game, but, you know... A lot of these players have been around the team for a long time. Rogic has been there for a long time. You know, Milligan's been there for a long time. Sainsbury's been there for a long time. Ryan's been there for a long time. So, you know, the core of the team is not really fundamentally that different as it was at the World Cup. So what I'm getting from you is yeah. that it's the coach. Yeah, for me, for me. I mean, it's not only the coach. Let's be real. Like, there are we, the squad is not as good as it used to be. There are issues with the preparation, which I think come from a more FFA, like... There was not enough time in camp, possibly. Uh, whether Arnie is getting the full financial support in terms of coaches and analysts and all that, I'm not sure. But 
it's never just one person's fault, but it does at the moment fall down to him. I think the, the most. resources is, has been something that they've focused on in yeah. recent times, and they yeah. have looked to really increase funding and do yeah. what they can to ensure that they are being given the best yeah. resources possible. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it would be fantastic to be, to be able to get more, I guess, to use that cliche sort of term, transparency from Football Federation yep. Australia when it comes to our national team to outline what the plan is, what is the philosophy, what is the branding that we're trying mm. to, to uh, I guess, get to in terms of what is our national identity as a footballing yeah. team. You know, uh, It's all well and good to hear a lot of the cliche terms, you know, yeah. we're going to be brave, we're going to this, we're going to yeah. that. But are we going to outline a strategic direction, an actual yeah. football plan that dictates this is who we are as a nation, this is the style of football that we want to play, yeah. and we're not just going to rely on the national team coach that's the the, 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 the pick of the month, the flavour of the month, to mm. come in and to dictate that. Yeah. When I sat down with Bert van Marwijk when he was given the job, and I know that it was under unusual circumstances that he was shoehorned into that position because of Ange Postacoglu's sudden departure. Yeah. Uh, whether you believe the rumours or not that Football Federation Australia knew for some time, I'm not sure, but that is just one of the theories that was put out there yeah. but when I sat down with Bert I asked him when you spoke to Football Federation Australia and the technical mm. directors and everybody involved did they give you a stipulation in terms of the way that they wanted you to play or yeah. an identity or a, a philosophy flat out looked at me and said no, no dead in the eye so that concerns me that yeah. does worry me a little bit because I feel like it's your club and it's your national team mm. that sets the agenda for who you are as a national team and, and, and the, the style of play that you want to be able to uh, to, to play effectively so that's what happens when you don't have football people in charge making decisions but see do you know what I, I don't always believe that just having football people in football positions is always the answer either. I think no, you need to have a good combination, but you need to have people that uh, are fully aware yeah. of what needs to happen from an administrative sense, but also that come in with a passion for football, with a knowledge for yeah. the game. But do you uh, and think, that's the worry. Do you think a football person who was appointing Van Marwick, do you think they would have just said, oh, do whatever you want me? Like, I'm not going to tell you what to do. No, like, I mean, I remember when Stephen Lowy got up at the yeah. press conference and to use his terms, he said that they felt like the stars and the moons aligned yeah. when Bert van Marderweg became available. And I remember sitting there in the press thinking, why? Why did you feel that he was the right fit for us? Um, and we know that what he'd managed to achieve at mm. World Cups gone by, uh, yeah. but I don't know that necessarily he was the right fit for us. Mm. And again... Is Graham Arnold the right fit for us? I, I don't no, know. I don't so. I, I, I'm not sure. Um, but then, and I guess, yeah, just to not put it all on Arnie, in terms of the preparation and stuff, I don't think we had enough time in camp before the tournament. There was only, I think, they, what, they came into camp the 26th? There's only like 10 days between. For a major tournament, it's, it's not a lot of time. You know, for a World Cup, we have three weeks or something of preparation. And then there was even stories of, for example, Giannu. Uh, he was a late inclusion in the squad because of the injury, I think, to Martin Boyle. And he flies to Dubai, has to get a taxi to Al Alin. Why he uh, needed to get a taxi and wasn't picked up by a member of the delegation, someone who wanted he the taxi driver took him to the wrong city. It was so it was an extra two hours driving. It just it's mm. it, it screams. It's a small anecdote and not you know the reason we're losing, but it screams to me a lack of preparation, a lack of you know professionalism. I agree. So, I don't know. That, that, to me, is a bit of a worry. That's why you don't want to put it all on Arnie. And definitely the players themselves have to lift. They, they need to lift their own performances. But I think there were, there were huge issues, and, and, and Arnie can't escape criticism for it. Um, one last question before we move on to the A-League and quickly wrap up the show, because I've realised that we've spent a lot of time yep. on the Socceroos, but I feel like it's been needed. Yep. Um, 
how does this make you feel? Because I've seen a few comments trickling through uh, via both Twitter and Facebook about qualifying for 2022. Yeah, I mean, that's a massive, like, n I'm not confident now. I'm not, we, we scraped through. We scraped through. We played Honduras in a playoff. We played Syria. We just beat Syria in a playoff, right? That was a worry in itself. Then we played Honduras, who were terrible. And, you know, we beat them. But that was, we were like the last team to qualify. You look at this and you think, yeah, for all the issues you say, there is a lack of talent coming through. There's the lack of, you know, we're not creating opportunities in open play. There's huge, huge issues. We don't have Cahill to save us. We don't have Yedinak to save us anymore. So right now, based on last night, if you ask me, will Australia qualify for, you know, the 32-team competition that is the 2022 World Cup, I would be leaning to no. Oh, yeah, it's just hard. And, you know, I'm conscious of the fact that it feels and it can feel like we are always the bearer of bad news and there's so much negativity around this team at the moment and we're always looking for a positive. But mm. I just, I, I hate hearing it too at the same time. Yeah, you know, it's not it. easy to talk about it mm. because we know that we as a nation can be capable of so much more because of what we've achieved in the past. Yeah. But it's often hard because I feel like we've gotten too bogged down in the past and that's what I still feel like is dictating our expectations of this national team and yeah. every national team experiences it. Go and ask the Dutch, go and ask what happened to Chile and why they weren't able to qualify for this World Cup. What about Italy? Yeah. No Italy at this World Cup either just gone by. So football cyclical and, and, and I think that we're still, like I said, a long ways off from being able to return to any, any form of dominance that you could liken to what we witnessed in 2006 and that generation. Stolich. The other thing I think as well as I think, so we've had mismanagement for years, way, way before Arnie or this new board that's come in, we've had mismanagement and, and, and that has resulted in all the problems we have now. But other countries have improved a lot, have more more professionalised their football and therefore they're on the rise. So Look at Iceland. Yeah, exactly. So I think I think as well that's one of the issues is we are stagnating, whereas our Peru, rivals another yeah, team. Our rivals are rising. And I think that, that can be when you start losing to teams that you expect to be. I think, yeah, it's, look, it's very hard either way. We know that last night's result against Jordan, uh, our opening game at the Asian Cup and defending our title was a disappointment. We do mm. have to win that game against Palestine and I'm sure all eyes will be on that match uh, with the hopes that the Socceroos can get the job done and get, at the very least, out of the group. Let's um, wrap up the show with a bit of a discussion around the A-League and, and yes. what we saw occur. Good round of uh, A-League action. Oh, my gosh. A ton of goals, uh, particularly yeah. in that Sydney and FC uh, Central Coast Mariners game. Some controversial sendings off, mm. some will say. Mm -hmm. uh, if you were watching yes. the, the, the Jets-Melbourne City game, yeah. which turned out to be a pretty intense encounter, actually. It was quite Jets fascinating. Jets got robbed. All right, then let's start there. No, no, no. We'll start with Sydney FC. All right, no. we'll start with Sydney FC then. Do you, you want to host the show? <laughs> sorry, sorry. I'm taking the piss. I'm taking. Let's, let's. You're right. Let's let's go all the way back yeah. to Friday, the fourth of January. Sydney yes. FC hosting Central Coast Mariners. Mariners had a fantastic start to that game, um, and I thought that they looked really good. They, they went did. ahead, uh, they and and they looked like they were actually going to be really competitive. And they were competitive if you cast your minds back um, in their first match against Sydney FC this season. Mm -hmm. They looked very good, mm -hmm. um, and then it all started to come undone. And it started with uh, Khalifa Sisse receiving a second yellow card and being sent off, and then the very tense exchange occurring between both he and assistant coach Nick Montgomery as he went off into the tunnel. Um, it just went from bad to worse from there. Man, Cissé ruined his 2019 in four days. Nah. There is no, like, to me, that 
it's such a bad look. Your team hasn't won in, what, 300 and something days. You're 1-0 up against Sydney FC away from home. You're doing so well, and then you just make an idiotic challenge. And also, you got an, you, you're an idiot for kicking the ball away as well for the first yellow He's card. He's an experienced player, right? mind you. Yeah, but... Which is a shame. Well, you expect much better from an experienced player. But yeah. he, there was no danger when he makes that tackle. And it wasn't like a diving tackle to save the team. Right? So you, up, you get sent off, and then you abuse your assistant manager. Like... What does that mean? Honestly, I don't see. I don't really see how he continues. Like, what is it? If he continues, what does that say to the rest of the group? Oh, yeah, no, you can just. Well, it was the first time he'd returned to the fold in the starting eleven for a number of weeks because he'd been left out of the squad. I think. Um, I think he's done. Honestly, I'd be surprised if he's not moved on. And also, he's taken up a visa spot. It's you, tough. Like this is the other thing. He's taken up a visa spot. Those you need those visa spots to be correct. Life is very tough yeah. at the Mariners at the moment. If you manage to catch um, Tara Rushton, good friend of mine, great mm. woman too, uh, working over at Foxfield. Fox Sports, her interview with Mike Mulvey post-match in which mm. he'd said that wholesale changes were looking to be yeah, maybe you too, Mulvey. at the club. Um, look, it's it's been difficult and I think that for a lot of Mariners fans, they for the first time in many seasons could actually look at this coming season yeah. uh, prior to it commencing with Mike Mulvey, a proven winner, of yeah. course, in the A-League uh, and also in the W-League uh, and the players that they'd signed. There was also the news that then Ross McCormick has returned um, uh, back to the UK to get treatment on his injury and now he's signed in Scotland yeah. and won't be coming back. Um, and he was going to be their best player. Like, I thought he was going to be their well, best player. Well, he was their best player that they you know, signed. They, ha they had uh, Tommy Orr, who I thought was going to be a great signing. He's Who's been injured. just come back from injury now yeah. in that game against Sydney FC. It's nothing has worked out for them. Nothing has worked Like, honestly, I swear, Bolt put a curse on them. Like, that's how bad but it got. But it's so disappointing because, like I said, they looked competitive. They'd yeah. signed decent players. They looked as though that the club was going to turn around for the first time in a long time. And now they've ended up in a situation where they've had the worst start to an A-League season in history of any other club. Yeah. Uh, they haven't still managed haven't managed to win a game um, and it's it's sad times and and you know if you are a Central Coast Mariners fan my heart bleeds for you because yeah. it's been a, a very difficult difficult season so far but it hasn't been all that difficult for Alex Brosk is it too late Damn. to recall him up to the national team first can time we, can we get him get him back into the fold first time in a-league history he scored a hat-trick scores a hat-trick yeah I mean, he's just brilliant though and that lovely little chipetta that he scored as well that was just beautiful yeah, it was a beautiful goal beautiful uh hat-trick and I, I will say i thought Sydney fc struggled before Cissé was sent off and even after they, they, did. they, they struggled did. to break down as well. I think it was 1-0 at half time to That's the Mariners right. so the Mariners went in with the lead so I thought there were big question marks over Sydney FC as there have been throughout the season and you know what I think Broski bailed them out a bit you know uh, the Mariners did collapse um what about that what about that penal the penalty with yeah, Jacob Melling he's very is very uh borderline oh, I can it, I can see it both ways. They've been given, but I'll tell you now, yeah. he got the ball. He did get the ball, but also, if you look at that angle from behind, does he first kind of get the leg, push him a bit off balance, and then get the ball? So, it's very tough to call one way or the other. Um, but yeah, I think it's great that uh, Bross scored his hat-trick. I think Bross is one of like the nicest dudes in Australian football. He's unreal. Yeah. And, and I think, still a great servant to the game. Yeah, and I think one of, domestically, maybe one of the best players we've had in terms of all he's done at Sydney FC for all those years. Back at Marconi, he was at Brisbane Raw for the first season of the A-League. He's so. a nice Australian football story, yeah, isn't he? And also, uh, he's part of uh, One Mutter's uh, common guy. I believe he's the only Australian footballer who's part of it. Mm -hmm. uh, Chiellini's part of it. Cantona's part of it. Basically, they give 1% of all 
their earnings to charity. Yeah. So it's a really, really great story and really He's great unreal. ambassador. Uh, Broski, Brosk. what a legend. It's going to be sad when he retires. Still a legend for the Sky Blues as yeah. well. Um, and interesting because some people saying Alex Kosovsky via Facebook, uh, Sydney FC still not good enough, will not challenge this season. Jake Inwood, how's the baby coming along, Lucy? Baby is fine. Mm. I did have chili before, and I'm suspecting yeah. that baby did not rate it because there no. was a lot of activity going on. But thanks for, Ma your, maybe, thanks for your question, maybe, Jake. Maybe baby was just infuriated about the Socceroos' performance. <laughs> it was the, it was the just, <laughs> what was that? Oh, I'll tell you when baby was going really crazy yeah. during that um, Man City-Liverpool ah, game. Who wasn't going crazy with oh, that? Was that was that. We will talk about that game. in just a second. I know that we said that epic we'd wrap game. up the show yeah. um, via the A-League, but there's yeah. still too much to talk about in terms of some of those key games. But City yeah. FC, uh, currently in third spot. Um, Mm. How do you react to Kosovsky's comment that they won't challenge this season? Come on, Kosovsky, they're three points off the top. They're, they're challenging. They're not, they're not playing anywhere near as well as they were playing in the previous seasons. I think he's actually a Wanderers fan too, Kosovsky, so it's probably no surprise that he's saying yeah. that. Correct me if I'm wrong, Alex, if you have to. Shout out, Alex. Nil-nil uh, between Adelaide United, Wellington, Phoenix. Quick wrap-up of that one. Uh, Mandy definitely deserves his red card. Yes. Yeah, uh, he's got a three-game ban now. They're trying to appeal it, but you know you can't. that was a really dirty thing what he did. Ba Yuck. Yeah, basically... It was this thing where the ball was there and he thought that he was going to kick the ball extremely hard into uh, Vince Lear's, like rib, right? Yeah. Which you see it happen every now and again. The ball goes and they pretend that they're clearing it, but they're trying to kick it in. And the ball moved and he just <laughs> absolutely just Bruce lead him <laughs> right in the ribs. It's a red card. you got to go off. Another good result for uh, Roots, nil all with Wellington. And I think... They're oh, doing really well at the moment. We're getting the five minutes. Nah, I thought it was a wave. I thought it was just... Jono was just saying hello. No, he was Hey, Jono, good to see you, He was telling us that we need to wrap things uh, up. We probably won't, though. Jono's the loveliest man in yeah. existence, so I, I won't be able to tell him to go away. But they're in sixth position at the good moment. Good result for us. I can honestly see them... Um, actually playing finals football 100% they're up there you? I mean yeah I think I think they're better than the Jets they're better than the Wanderers they're better than Raw and they're absolutely everyone is better than the Mariners yeah, so, well that's clear uh, that's very clear I think also the Reds desperately need a striker they had chances late but they just couldn't you know black they are couldn't lacking score. that prolific goal scoring then, and that poacher in the box they need to sign him in January they, they could do quite well this season, but they need number nine. I do love January. I do love any time mm. the transfer window opens yeah, yeah. and seeing the it's player best. movements and starting to speculate yeah. on what's going to happen here, what's going to happen there. I know yep. that um, Anthony Caceres also moved from Melbourne City to Sydney FC too. From uh, Manchester City, according from, to the press. Well, yes, Manchester yeah. City in the way that they do these deals. You can see now, he's got the Premier League quality. Yeah, they still haven't addressed that loophole. It's, it's fascinating to me, really, when you consider yeah. that. Um, looking elsewhere, uh, yep. how about this? Also on Saturday, the 5th of January, yep. Western Sydney Wanderers going down 2-1 to Melbourne. Victory, all that toy, and what a player. My mm. gosh, what an addition. But we also have to add into the mix the fact that Keske Honda has been ruled out. Yep, four uh, weeks. For at least four weeks. I'll tell you now, yeah. I knew when that for that second week in a row when he was still mm. sitting in the stands, I thought they're masking something here. Yeah. I just felt it, uh, yeah. there was something in my bones that was telling me it's more serious than what they've let on. It's a, it's a huge shame, and I think they do not look anywhere near as good without him. I think he gives them so much, oh, so both much. going forward, organisationally. But I'll tell you, they still got a lot in spite of their yeah. depletion in I, terms I of personnel. I thought they were lucky. I actually thought the Wanderers gave one of their better performances that Didn't they've they given just? this season, and it was a shame. I thought Baum Johan is a wonderful, wonderful player who I absolutely love watching every week. Oriol Riera, on the other hand, 
Man, he's just not I thought he was far better last season. He's Vieta. just not Don't good enough. Think? Yeah, on, he's apparently he's on like a million dollars a year, right? He's a marquee player. He's just not good enough oh for that. God. Yeah, that's insane. <laughs> it's insane, that money. man. Like, Riera, honestly, por favor, you're an you're a ex-Barca, but come on, no, man. No, I, like, I truly thought in his defence, I thought that he was a lot better last season than what he wore. He, he looks, has he been looks so far this disinterested season. sometimes, he, which for a million dollars a year, come on, man. Like, but to be fair as well, the atmosphere wasn't great at the ground. 7,000 people. I know there was a massive storm in Sydney, but... There's so many problems at the Wanderers. They just cannot get to that new stadium quick enough. And also, I still am still very unsure yeah, about Babel. if they were in the new stadium, I'd still imagine the, the close to the same amount of people would have turned up. That was a big storm. I'll tell you what, I love storm. the football, but I'm like a cat. I don't like getting wet. I'm not no. going out in that kind of weather. Especially, but this is the other thing with the A-League at the moment. It's a, you've got to make these tickets that when people go, you've got to make it feel like, yeah... You know, when we watch Manchester City Liverpool, oh man, how much do you want to be in that stadium? How much do you wish you were there? So you're firstborn. Exactly. You know, <laughs> if someone's got a ticket, let's throw, it, throw the offer up. Anfield season ticket, it might happen. Um, but yeah, I just think like, you need, it, the A-League's struggling so much with crowds at the moment and, and television ratings. And it's a real shame because we did have a lot of high quality games this uh, weekend, including... Melbourne City Jets. I agree. Um, Murray McKeon, any updates on Bruno Fornaroli movements in January? Question mark. Mm, Good question. Haven't seen anything occurring there. My understanding was is that City refused to let him go to any other A-League club. Which means that he's pigeonholed in this very ugly scenario in which he's not playing for his club. Things things have obviously gone to shit there and they've become that toxic between both he and um, Warren Joyce. Mm. But now he's stuck. And I don't think that that's fair either. If he wants to go, let him go. Yeah, would love to see him at Adelaide. I think he'd be great at Adelaide. Oh, wow. I think he'd be great at the Wanderers as well. Get rid of Riera, bring in Fornaroli. You really don't like Riera, do you? Man, Riera had such high hopes, you know? There's that video of him in the under-17s with Messi doing little one-twos. I'm going to say one-twos. It's Messi passing the ball. We just pass it back. Messi scores an amazing <laughs> goal. And Riera kind of hugs him and says, please don't leave me. And then Messi went to the first team. Riera went to the second division. Anyway, point of the story is Riera has been a big disappointment, but not as big a disappointment as Pia Vakari, who is the biggest flop in A-League history. What about Dino Kressinger? Mate, they've had some absolute stinkers, haven't they? The number nines, <laughs> honestly, don't wear... If you play for the Wanderers, do not wear number nine. It's horrible. Gee, it's, but Pia Vicari, well, I think it was number 10. There seems to be a curse. I just remember we were still covering the A-League here at yeah. SBS. I miss the A-League. Give it back to us. I'd be happy. Would you be happy to have the A-League back 100%. I'd, I'd love buzzing. it. I'd, I'd love it. Buzzing. Don't I'd put me on too many night shifts, but I'd love it. I'd love oh, yeah, boo-hoo. I yeah. saw Freya actually made a comment. Freya, for those of you that don't know, is Shout next to partner. She threw a couple of waving emojis. Oh, hello to you, Freya. I'd be buzzing for the A-League to come back. I miss those days on the sidelines and getting amongst it. It was good fun, actually. Misfoot, yeah. Shout out um, A-League but, memes. But Misfoot yeah, was maybe Misfoot the worst. Misfoot was, nah. was pretty honky. I think, he uh, was pretty honestly, honky. I think Misfoot, it was just, it was funny how many times he was offside. I think Pierre Vicari <laughs> was worse. Remember Pierre Vicari the very first <laughs> but, game? But I remember, though, just sitting yeah. quite, just quietly before yeah. I forget it because pregnancy does stupid things to okay. your brain. I just remember the amount of games that we covered still and just mm. looking back and seeing Pierre Vicari sitting in the stands and I was like, man, that's an expensive that market. Yeah. to be sitting on the stand. Was Mifsud Marquee? Was Mifsud? No, I'm yeah. talking about Pia Vicari. Yeah, oh, Mifsud. Um... Pia Vicari was on nearly a million dollars a season. Mate. Yeah, he was on big coin. Mifsud. Um, was, Shout uh, out no, his agent. Out there. Mifsud. Was he on um, the Maltese player? Was he on um, well, there's a lot of Marquee there. coin? It was Mifsud, Melbourne, you know. Maltese. Maltese. Probably was Marquee just because they just kept running. But Anyway. Anyway. Carry po- on. Point of the story is uh, we've had some absolute stinking strikers in the A-League. But, you know, it's we've, we've had some good ones too. 
like Roy O'Donovan, who scored. Roy O'Donovan, who scored for Newcastle Jets. A bit yeah. of controversy in that game. Uh, ah, I massive. believe it was Jets got with Vargas getting sent off. There was yeah. a bit of conjecture around whether or not it should have been sent off. Was it... Was it a handball, Stolich? Uh, well, it definitely hit his hand. Whether it was, I don't think it was a particularly but a deliberate handball. handball to warrant yeah. him getting sent off. No, no, absolutely not. And you know what, uh, Jono, the producer, if you could put Crime Stoppers numbers A-League just memes, down. Thank you. Yes, Mifsud was marquee. All right, Good thank God. you. Well, what well, I mean, people. Uh, uh, if we can just put Crime Stoppers numbers down here, because the Jets got robbed of me. The Jets got absolutely robbed. So let's go through it. So the referee, uh, what's his name? Arms or whatever. Arms. Anyway. Kurt Ames. Kurt Ames. That's what. That's his name. Anyway, so uh, he gives Vargas a yellow card in the ninth minute or something. Yeah. Definitely forgets about it because when he gives the yellow card mm. for the know handball, he's already given the yellow card. You know how you know? When you give someone a second yellow, you're already reaching for you're the red. Straight away, you're going. You're going for the boom, red. boom. You're doing Took the double hander, quite right? A long time. Yeah. Eddie A. Chacon yeah. uh, via Facebook, not a send off. Exactly right. Hassan Bertan, Vargas deserved to get he's the a red card. City you're fan. a city yeah, fan. Yeah, but we know. Hassan, we know. come on. Anyway, but he gave he gives him the yellow card, puts it back. Then Vargas does something wrong. He does say F he off. He tells him to F off. Right, yeah. which is wrong, obviously. So initially we thought that he was getting the card for dissent. Which is what was reported on the sideline because the sideline reporter asked the fourth official. But that was a cover-up. i tell you why that was a cover-up. Because he gave him the second yellow card before he's... He's already reaching for that yellow card when Vargas says F off, right? Yep. So, and then, this is how you know as well. So there's that delay and then he goes, oh, crap, I've got to send him off now because the City players are like, hey, it's second yellow. And he's like, oh, yeah. I think for sure that um, the referee would not have sent him off, would not have given him a yellow card. He would have given the penalty. If he hadn't said F off. No, no, I think he wouldn't have uh, given the yellow card if he'd remembered that he was on a second yellow. <laughs> so there was already on the yellow. So I think he stuffed up that. Also, got to remember, um, on the first goal, Galekovic, who had one of the games of the season on uh, New Year's Day, yep. I don't know what if he celebrated it for three days straight because he was awful on that first goal. He just came out completely missing. But he handballed it outside the box. Now, Donovan goes on to score, but goes unpunished, which you think about should have been punished. Deliberate handball by the goalkeeper yep. outside the box. And then he's punishing Vargas for a much less handball. Then after that, uh, twice the Jets could have had penalties. Um, and, you know, it wasn't only the Jets who were getting the bad calls. There was a time where Glitch had the ball. Bugard, I think, just started, like, bumping into it him. It was bizarre. Right? And then, like, there's it, clearly a foul. It's clearly, he's holding the ball. He kind of just start bumping Galekovic, into the... Glekovic, to be fair, yeah. a bit of a stinker, to be honest. Glekovic throws it out, and then the referee says, caught it, not even a foul. Honestly, that guy can't ref next week or for another couple of weeks. He's got to be well, suspended. Well, they should be suspended. They yeah, should. That I was believe that they have been. Terrible. So, and the yeah. Jets, Jets did very well, I thought, down to 10 men. Uh, really fought. And a nice goal from Luke Braddon. Very nice goal from Luke Bratton. Also, Riley McGree, the other goal yes. scorer. How about this for a crack-up? My yeah. word, six goals scored over at Suncorp Stadium between Brisbane and Perth Glory. So, Brisbane go into the dressing rooms at half-time, 2-0 in front, right? Two goals to the good. i never seen thanks a worse. Thanks to Adam Taggart. I've never seen a worse second half. And then what the F happened? Let's go through it. Let's, Let's go. go we, need Ron, we need Vargas to come Let's in here and go, it. F off, Brisbane. What happened to you? Mate, that was... I'm like, just let's go... So... Bowles gets sent off. Yeah. Obviously, they concede Bowles. a penalty. Bowles, sorry. Uh, Bowles. Bowles. I've got to go, I've got to go to the toilet after this. have lost his Bowles after. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Uh, get sent off. Yeah. Penalty. Then they concede another penalty. Then they concede an own goal. Then they concede a, uh, a fourth. Then they get a penalty. Tag it on his hat-trick. Misses it. Misses it. Hey, yeah, Man, yeah, at yeah, home. Yeah, yeah, after yeah, you've yeah, just yeah. sacked your coach, so you can't blame him anymore. Oh, that is one of the all-time collapses. Now... 
yeah, for me. Ethan McMaster, where to now for Brisbane? Where Good question, actually. Br- I don't know. Like, man, after that, you got to go to a therapist. You got to talk about that trauma. <laughs> That was ridiculous. <laughs> to be to be two 0 ahead, all the good vibes, Taggart scoring, man, we're killing it. Bang, four two. So what Red happens? Card, I've heard some goal. rumblings about them potentially getting in this coach or that coach or these changes occurring, but nothing's yeah. set in stone I, yet. I don't know. You got to get in like a Stolich. witch doctor or something and turn that around. <laughs> get That's someone awful. to come in and actually. It was awful. How? Like, uh, just it was just, like honestly, it was hilarious. Like when Taggart missed the penalty. I know, not for Brisbane Rock, but as a neutral, you just thought, what else could go wrong? All right, finally, they've got some good news. It's been the worst 30 minutes ever. Bang, straight onto the bar. How's oh, this man, for, I was how's laughing this for a so bit hard. of banter? I've got time for yeah. a James Worth by Facebook. Keep your children away from Brisbane Raw. There is severe choking hazard. Yeah, word. <laughs> That's a good word. one. That is a good one. Shout out, James. Yeah, I, um, Santino Mamone, I feel sorry for my mate Darren, the coach. Um, yeah. Jacob All right, how's that for a flex? I'm mates with the coach. I'm Jacob Mabbitt, you should be asking that about the Mariners, not Brisbane. To be fair, we could probably be asking it about the Mariners. The Mariners are Thinker. But we could be asking that about the both of them at this point. I think it's been a, a very dismal season yeah. for the both of them. And yeah. I feel like both of them are underperforming in many ways because they well, do Brisbane have only won one more game than uh, the Central Coast. Well, and that was with four in a row. That was against City with four in a row. Yeah, they've only won one game. So yeah. it, it's hard. It's really hard. Yeah. Uh, and, and Brisbane are a sure bigger club than Mariners. Well. That's true too, but I feel like both have signed competitive enough players this yeah, season to be doing it. better than what they are. But, um, but this is the A-League. This is what keeps it interesting, right? Yep. Um, we're going to wrap up on this note because I feel yes. like we have to. And it, it must be said that this is being done unbiasedly just because I am very publicly known as a Liverpool fan. Mm-hmm. It was by far the biggest match of Match Week 21 uh, in the Premier League yeah, between Manchester 100%. City and Liverpool. Biggest match in the Premier League in years. I'm spewing. I'm gutted that we lost that game. But Mm. from just an external observer, just if you were a neutral watching that game, I loved it from start to finish. It was, for me, more than anything, uh, Stolich, it was tactical pornography. Mm. It was two of the best coaches, two of the finest coaches. Don't Google that, by the way, especially if you're at work. (laughs) Two of the finest coaches in the world just on display and illustrating mm. just why they are the best in the business at the yep. moment. It was phenomenal. I thought it was quite well, cagey from the outset. I thought Liverpool looked quite cautious. They were going to sit back, try to frustrate them a little bit, and then it just opened right up. And the, the chances that City created, then that Liverpool created, yeah. the ball not going in by, by basically millimetres. That would have been the funniest own goal ever. It would have been hilarious. That would have been funny. But it life. was just, it had everything in it, and it was such a joy to watch. It was it was an amazing game. Uh, I was so glad it was on SBS. Uh, it, was, it was wonderful. And you know what? To be honest, it was the right result for us neutrals, only because it keeps that title alive. Oh, it's still very well alive. You know, if, if Liverpool brilliant. had won that game, which actually I thought they were going to do going into yep, yep. it, it would have been over See, Liverpool's title. I didn't feel title. that confident. Mm. I actually didn't. I had, because, you know, I had You're spoke a to a lot of Reds nervous. fans. Look, after the Gerrard slip and after... After yeah, so many years of heartbreak, anything. I'll tell you now, yeah. I'm not one of those Liverpool fans that gets ahead of themselves and starts getting cackadoodle. You know, everyone talking about at Christmas time, those at the top of the league always go on to win it. No, yeah. not us. We've copped it up before, so well, I know I that mean, we've got it in us. Just even so you I think like the ball, the ball, do a little do a demonstration here. We can't get graphics. It was so, it was almost like completely over the line. It was like that pretty much. And then for it Stones. It was just the shadow. Yeah. It was like the shadow was what kept it um, yeah. just touching the line. For Stones to kick it out through the legs of Salah. Man, come on. Liverpool, if you lose because of that, you are cursed. You I'd, just, absolutely I'd give Stones cursed. a bonus just based on that. Yeah, man. <laughs> you, might have, you might have won him the Premier League. It was like, phenomenal stuff. I thought uh, Fernandinho, excellent. Bernardo Silva, incredible. Um, you know, and I think is 
they really look a lot better when uh, Sergio Aguero is back in the lineup. It was Ooh, a yeah, wonderful big goal. big time. And they definitely need Kevin De Bruyne to yeah. be at full fitness too. I think that that's cost them a lot yeah. uh, so far this season. Him being injured, then re-injured and struggling yep. to get back to full fitness. Played it's, in it's the hard. FA Cup overnight. So it's it was hard much better. too, but they absolutely belted. Uh, was yeah. it Tramir? Yeah, whoever Tram, it was. Tramor, whoever it was. I'm sorry. I think, I think it was Ro me. Rotterdam. Uh, no, oh, no, that was Ro oh, that's Rothen. right. It was Spurs that absolutely belted Tramir. Yeah. Um, and that was huge. The magic of the cup. Small teams getting belted by massive teams. But do you know what I found to be really cool as right. well is that uh, in that match, Mauricio Pochettino brings on Harry Kane in the second half as a substitute. Yeah, 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 and yeah, then yeah. all the press were like, oh, so why did you bring on Kane for? Like, you're already telling him up. What's the point? And he yeah. goes, well, it was a sign of respect for our opposition. And also, he's an English icon of football here. Yeah. So Poch is class. That's Poch class. Is That's a gentleman. Class. Not we expect to win. It's no, no, no. no. We treat every opponent seriously. Yeah. Um, and and, and also, an opportunity for the Tramnir fans to get to watch like an English iconic player in their stadium, exactly. which I think That's is what it's all about. really, really, you know, The nice magic of the cup. Yeah. Let's quickly talk about the top four as it stands. Liverpool on yeah. top in 50, on 54 points. Yeah. Then you've got Man City, 50 points. Tottenham, yeah. 48. Chelsea, 44. Yeah. I feel like that fourth position is constantly going to be interchangeable. Yeah. Um, there, we could potentially see Arsenal sneak in there again. Mm -hmm. They're on 41 points in fifth. But they're Manchester United. Can we just please... If you're a Manchester United fan, with the greatest of respect, it's nice to see that you're back to winning ways and your players that are on a lot of money that were absolutely stinking beforehand yeah. are actually starting to prove their coins worth now. But let's just go through the teams that they've beaten. Newcastle. Newcastle, Cardiff, Bournemouth and Huddersfield. Yep. In the league. Yeah, but they weren't, right. they weren't beating those teams before. Right. No, 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 no. Right. These Enjoy teams, your time, Manchester United. These are teams that you should be beating. So for everyone out there that's a Red Devils fan, that's getting cackadoodle and saying things like, "Oh, now we're going to back, we're going to end up back in the top four. The title race has opened up again. Ola Gunnar Solskjaer, we have to give him a long-term contract." Let's actually see what happens when they take on a team that is in the top four. United fans, enjoy your time in the sun. Is that all you have to say about it? I got listen. You were in an abusive relationship with Mourinho. <laughs> And you need to enjoy the fact that you are not anymore, all well, they're right? Not, they're not spending any more money on therapy. That's a positive, is it not? Man, honestly, that Jenny was... Jenny Gamero, yeah. Corey's mother. Jenny, really? just, no. Look out, Liverpool, man, you were on the way. Incorrect. Not this season, you're not Jenny. Yeah. I love yeah, and adore not, you, not, but it's not happening not this season. This she season. likes to troll me, doesn't she? Yeah. Look at her. Well, but, giving me grief. But, but not, not, not this season. They it's might make happen. fourth. They still might they make fourth. They might make fourth, you reckon. They're on 38 points. Chelsea yeah. on 44. I don't yeah. see it happening. I don't Not know. with the Saudi ball playing big Let's played. see. We're going to see their first big test, and then we'll see. But I don't know. Right now, they honestly, they look like they look refreshed. They look like they got out of a bad relationship. Shout out Manchester United. Enjoy. <laughs> Enjoy. It's like when you do break up with that torrid and toxic ex, and then you just 100%. start going on a rampage, and yeah, everyone yeah, looks just, good to you at that yeah, point. exactly. You don't just, they? You're just out there having your best time oh, of your life, thinking, you're what was I your doing? your best life. Yeah, exactly. And it was, what was I doing with that past one? Yeah, what were Let's you doing? Let's end the just show. Stay. Now, I always right. love to, to look at a new year as though it's you know going to present fabulous opportunities and I what's around the corner. Do. I think we, we all do. We all do. But one thing that I think is for the tip of New Year's resolutions, you yeah. know, all that bullshit like, oh, new year, new me. Yeah. And here's, a, here's a gripe that I have also yeah. on social media. I'm not on Instagram as much anymore. I can be a bit useless. Um, but those people that are posting throughout the festive period at the gym, like selfies of them at the gym, like, yeah. and I know I'm pregnant, all right? There's not much yeah. I can do these days. I'm not Sit as ups. mobile as I once was. Yeah. One of those people like, oh, no rest for me, still working out mm. through the holidays. Mm. No one 
one gives a shit if you're going hungry and you're sweating your ass off in a gym while we're all at home eating on our couches and enjoying yeah. the festive period. Yeah. The whole New Year's resolutions thing, it has to go. But I will ask all you, right. did you have one for 2019 before we go? Yeah, my New Year's resolution is to hit the camera every single time I throw one of these paper aeroplanes. It's not going to happen every single time. I admire your ambition, but with the way that things have been going at the back end of 2018, it's not going to work, son. Here we go. New go, year. Go, give it a go. New plane. New year, new you. Oh, bro. My new year. So it's already, it's already over. It, it has already failed. It's Anyone already else over. got those um, stupid new year, new me resolutions? Oh, counting my blessings. Hashtag blessed. Hashtag shut the F up. All right. Shout out. All right, we might have to wrap this up because uh, Luke's gone into a bit of a weird time where she might just start abusing Alex everyone. Alex Kosovsky, new year, new soccer yeah, news. New year, I like new that coach. as well. Yeah. Oh, uh, look, let's it's calm early. down. It's early. It's early. Let's calm but down. We lost one game. Let's see what happens for the rest of the tournament. We yeah. should, and I say should in capitals and bold and uh, what else can you do to the damn thing italics mm -hmm. we should beat palestine well i'm freaking yeah, hoping we palestine. beat palestine like, anyway come on like, respect palestine but uh, no like we should absolutely smash them we should have beat jordan too but yeah we should have coulda shoulda woulda baby all hashtag right. save anyway, the team right, hashtag let's just let's all be open-minded for the soccer yeah. is in 2019 yeah. guys whether you've joined us via facebook or twitter it's been such a joy to have you as always every week um we've got a lot of regulars that tune in too it's absolutely brilliant and we love to have your company so thank you so much Love it. Um, for all of the stories, of course, that we have discussed, and we haven't discussed too many because there was a lot dedicated to the Socceroos. Of course, it was a big talking point, and then the A-League, and then a bit of the Premier League. Um, but by all means, head to the World Game website to find out all the latest content and news from around the globe, not just in Australia. Of course, when it does come to the Premier League, we are back this weekend. And again, for Reds fans, you should get very excited because live from 1.30am, we are away to Brighton and Hove Albion. So they will Ooh. be missing Matty Ryan, of course, who is away on Socceroos duties. Well, maybe he'll be but, back sooner. Um, Look, I think it's a good opportunity for Liverpool then to bounce back from that loss against Manchester City. But yep. we all know that nothing is a given. But like I said, that is live from 1.30am in the East if you are joining us Australian Eastern Daylight Time. But that'll do us for now. Mm -hmm. Stolich, you'll get better at those New Year's resolutions and I'll get yep. better at slamming those that have them. So, yep. on behalf of myself, Stolich and Thank the entire so team here at the World Game, goodbye for now and we'll see you again next Monday. Ciao.